take your Bibles, if you would. Let's turn to Luke chapter 15 this morning. Luke chapter 15. Everybody handed that in. You got it in? All right, let's turn to Luke chapter 15 for uh, this third message in the series, Reaching Out. And we're looking at this incredible story, a uh, series of stories that the Lord Jesus gives about reaching out. We talked last week about the types of lostness that, that we see in these stories. All the lost sheep who's lost just through the foolishness of the flesh, the lost coin that had a, had an, in, had a, uh, a little bit of negligence. Just one more minute. Somebody might want to catch that balloon. You mind catching that for me? Good job. If you have completed it, go ahead and pass it to the end of the Nile. And um, if you have not, hold on to it. If you have not completed it, hold on to it. But if you have completed it, do not hold on to it. Pass it. Hey, everybody, thank you. Thank you so much for taking time to do this. If you have completed it, please pass it. If you have not completed it, I'm going to have an act of mercy, an act of grace. You can hand it in to an usher on your way out of the service. Okay, just so, I'll, so you have the rest of those few blanks filled. But if you've completed it, go ahead and hand it in. If you came in late and you didn't get a chance to do this, you can come to the office anytime this week and uh, take it. But at the end of the week, we cut that off. We want as many people to, to take this survey as possible. Or you can sit through the next service, just through the, the test time of the next service if you want to do this. But we wanted to do it in our worship service to get the total best number of people we could. And so thank you so much for taking your time to do this. All right, so everybody's got a survey. If you didn't get a chance, you want to hold on to it, take it during my message, but I'm counting the time. Oh, I'm just kidding. Uh, take your Bibles, if you would. Let's turn to Luke chapter 15 this morning. Luke chapter 15. Everybody handed that in? You got it in? All right, let's turn to Luke chapter 15 for uh, this third message in the series, Reaching Out. And we're looking at this incredible story, a uh, series of stories that the Lord Jesus gives about reaching out. We talked last week about the types of lostness that, that we see in these stories. All the lost sheep who's lost just through the foolishness of the flesh. The lost coin that had a, had an, in, had a, uh, a little bit of negligence on the parts of others contributing to their lostness as well. Then we saw uh, the prodigal son who was just running from what he knew was right and wrong. And then we saw that fourth type of lostness, which was the religious 
older brother, the older brother syndrome. By the way, if you come back tonight, I've got a message on the older brother syndrome. You want to be tonight talking about jealousy, and so I'm going to be preaching on that this evening. But this survey and this series are all designed to accomplish the same thing, to develop in us a pursuing heart, to help us have the same kind of heart that the father had for the son, that the, uh, that the woman had for the coin, that the shepherd had for the sheep, to have a pursuing heart. And we want to do this survey as well to make sure that we're, we're doing the kinds of things that are helping contribute to that. So help us, uh, thank you for helping us fine-tune uh, through this survey. But to bring you up to speed on this passage, let's look at verse 1. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to Jesus. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled. And they said, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them a series of parables that we, we've gone into. So that's the setting. The first parable in verse 4 talks about a, a man who has a hundred sheep. He says, if he lost one of them, does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he's found it, rejoicing. So that's the, the first example of pursuing the lost till it is found. Then there's the next one in verse 8. It says, or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek how? Seek diligently until she finds it. And then the third illustration is that of the prodigal son. And you know the story. Uh, he, he decided he wanted his portion of the inheritance, and the father divided his wealth between his two sons, gave about 30 to 40% to the young son. He went off and he squandered it. But I want to focus in on this reception that the son got when he came home. Look at verse 20. And he, that prodigal son, that, that one who was lost and run from the father, far from God, he came back to his father. And was still a long way off. His father saw him and felt what? Compassion. And ran and embraced him. Kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe, put it on him, put, on, put a ring on his hand, and shoes feet, and bring the fattened calf, and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. This my son was dead, and is alive again. He was what? Lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Let's pray together. Father, create in us that heart of compassion, that heart of welcome, that heart of food heart of passion for the lost. We'll be so much like you, Jesus, the more we grasp this and are conformed to your image in this. All of us can participate in finding those who are far from God. Help us develop that kind of heart as we see it right here before us in your word. And we ask this in Christ's name. And all God's people said, hey, I want to show you a picture. Look at this picture. Do you know these guys? Y'all recognize them? These are my new Olympic heroes. Used to be Bruce Jenner, but I don't need to say anything about that. Man, here's my Olympic hero growing up when I looked right. These are my new heroes. These guys won the gold in curling, a sport that probably none of you have ever participated in, maybe some of you, but they won the gold, and they were about 
ranked eighth out of ten teams when they went in. It was just a Cinderella story. But but I just love these guys. And what's interesting about this is the more I I, it, I didn't watch them, it seemed like every time I turned on the TV, curtain was on. So I just watched it for a while, and, and some of the terminology struck me. They're rolling what they call stones or rocks. They're throwing these rocks. They're sliding them down the ice, and they're, these stones are being compiled into what they call a house. And so they're putting stones in the house, compiling them, and the people, the team, that ends up the most stones in the house wins. Let's watch them win here just a second. Let's watch this win. There's the house. Look at them work. Look at them work. Heartbroken. The Americans going nuts in South Korea and all across the states. The U.S. in control. 10-5. They got 10 stones all the way into the house. And what really strikes me about this is how it, it really just, and you saw the celebration. You saw the passion. You saw them working so hard to guide that stone into the house. I couldn't help but think about 1 Peter 2. As you come to Jesus, living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves are living stones, and you're being built up as a spiritual what? A spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Who knew the apostle Peter was a curler? Apostle Paul was too. Listen to what he said in Ephesians. So you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Who knew? The Apostle Paul is a great curl. His passion, our passion, see living stones placed in the house of God. I just, want to, I just want to have the same kind of passion that I see in these guys putting literal 44-pound stones, sliding it down the ice. Did you see the celebration? Can you imagine uh, the effort and the price these men paid? They didn't have all these sponsors. I think Dairy Queen helped them a little bit. They mostly paid their own way. What I love about this is not only was filling the house their passion, not only is filling God's house to be our passion, but God can use anyone to reach people far from God. When Jesus decided to picture people pursuing the losses, he just used a shepherd, he used a housewife, he used a regular Middle Eastern father. Anybody can be used to reach people far from God. I mean, one of the reasons these guys are my new heroes is just look at this guy. Look at this picture. This, this actually, he has my figure is why I like this guy. I mean, he's got a little bit of something hanging over. He's got a, he's, he's, and I love his hat and his mustache. I mean, he is just a, nor it looks like a bunch of dads out there. This guy managed, one of the other team is a senior. Another one's a college student. Another one just graduated to be a civil engineer. I just love these guys because they're absolutely normal. They would fail the physique, the physique test uh, uh, when it comes. But man, they have a passion. 
and a skill in pursuing the gold, in placing those stones into the house. Do we have that kind of passion? God can use anyone. He can use you. He wants to use you. You have proximity to people that I can't get near. You have the ability to nudge and influence people I'll never meet. I've been thinking about it this way for a while. I preach to about a thousand people here on Sundays. I preach to about another 2,000 that are watching on television. If all of you have 10 people that you can influence, just think about that. Just think about the influence. The thousand becomes 10,000. The thousand becomes 10,000. And if our passion is to pursue those far from God, God will use us in an incredible, incredible way. Well, I want to talk about some of the principles of what I call redemptive pursuit. Principles that you and I need to embrace, we need to practice it into our lives. Just some basic principles. If we are going to pursue seeing people who are far from God become part of the household of God, there's some things we need to know. Number one, all redemption is pursuit. I know some of you probably buy lottery tickets. Raise your hand if you buy a lot. No, I'm just kidding. If you look at your lottery ticket and you've got the big winner, the $225 million dollar, and you're going to go, hmm, I wonder what I should do with this. You're going to run to wherever you redeem. You're going to pursue redemption of your lottery ticket. Because you see in it great what? Value. And so your sense of value turns into passionate pursuit. Passionate pursuit. Do you understand that our God, being rich in mercy, while we were yet sinners, right, pursued us. While we were his enemies, he pursued us. While we were far from God, lost and dead in our trespasses and sins, he made Christ Jesus. I love that Philippians passage which says that Jesus did not regard equality with God to be held onto at all costs, but he emptied himself and he took on the form of a bondservant and he was made in the likeness of men and he became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. Why did he do that? He was pursuing, he was seeking to save the lost. You, you. All redemption requires some type of pursuit. We see the shepherd. If he was going to get that one, he had to leave the 99. He had to pursue the one. If that woman was going to, if she really cared about that coin that was missing, she was going to have to pursue it. If it had value in their minds, they would pursue it. That father had, had pursued mercy with his son and, and had given him part of the estate. Instead of having him killed, he went ahead and gave him the, the estate, hoping that one day he would come back. And you see him watching, pursuing in his prayers, pursuing in his preparation, pursuing in his, in his watch, and in his lifestyle. This father was preparing for that prodigal one day come home. He didn't know, but he was ready. He was pursuing. All redemption requires pursuit. Second of all, 
Notice in these little parables that the position of the lost determined the nature of the pursuit, didn't it? The position of the lost determined the nature of the pursuit. When that sheep went away, we basically the shepherd had to lead the 99 to go get the one. It was not practical, it was not feasible for him to actually take the other 99 with him. See, his, his approach to reach the lost was determined by that. And we have people, we're, we're uh, uh, sending out a team this week. They're leaving the 99. They're leaving here to go pursue the lost in, in Africa. We have people that are determining. See, the, it's the nature of the lost. It's not our desires. It's not us just sending out and saying, hey, you're lost or far from God. You need to come cross our cultural barriers. Come take on our, our thoughts and our ways. You come towards us. No, it's the position of the lost that determines our pursuit. The woman is in a dark house, a dark Middle Eastern house. There wasn't a lot of light, so they had to, she had to light a lamp. The situation of what was lost determined how she approached it. She had to light a lamp. She had to take a room, and so she had to sweep. And so her pursuit was based upon the nature and position of that which is lost. And you and I, you and I need to be sensitive. We need to understand where the folks are that are far from God. Maybe they need some apologetic work. Maybe they're struggling with intellectual things and scientific things. And so you kind of design your approach to appeal to that, your approach to, to, to penetrate into that darkness. Maybe it is someone who was wounded growing up in a bad church under a bad teacher, maybe wounded by some believer or by a family member. And you know that their issue is not so much apologetic. Their issue is more uh, forgiveness and emotional and all of those things. And so you design your approach based on the nature of the pursuit. I want to share with you. I started thinking about our church, Westside. You know Westside? was formed in the early 60s out of a heart of pursuit. First Baptist Church was running about 1,200 people downtown in 1957. Pretty interesting. You can go down there now, and that building is still open, but it's empty, and it's, they build apartment complexes. But at one time, there were 1,200 uh, worshipers there. And, and the church had a sense of urgency. How do I know this? Well, we've done a little bit of research. The first Baptist history is entitled, Every Town Needs a Downtown Church. That's an ironic title, isn't it? They still need churches there. And then out of our anniversary history book, where friends become family, some of these facts I've gotten frozen. And Asa Walker's helped me get some of these facts. But in 1957, the First Baptist was running 1,200 in, and, and, um, in November, just four acres on Newberry Road, just west of 34th Street. We don't think that's far west today. I guess it was far west then. Worship at the New West Side Mission began on September 28, 1958, in a house that was on the property. So First Baptist had a desire to pursue those far from God way over here on the west side. What did they do? They acted on it. The, the, the nature of the loss, the nature of the need determined their, their, their approach. So they planted this church called West Side. 
Some of you know Dot Lassiter. She went home to be with the Lord this past year. One of those original members, I quote her, she said, we had worship in the living room and dining room. Sunday school classes were in the bedrooms, in the garage, outside, in the kitchen, wherever we could find a place. Whatever it took. I'm just telling you, Westside was born. Its DNA is one of pursuit. It's a passion for pursuit. Let me get to tell you a little bit more. By 1959, the new Westside Mission had 100 members, 115 enrolled in Sunday school. For a time, it held worship at Westwood Middle School. The building was constructed and dedicated in April 1960. I want you to see the mission statement. Here's the mission statement. And this comes from a bulletin at the dedication that Sunday. Listen to this. Here's the mission statement. I think I have it up there. With open arms to all unsaved and unchurched, particularly here in West Gainesville, this present healthy offspring of parent First Baptist Church Gainesville will sometime, someday reach the mature status of the church. It will ever be dedicated to the expanding to expanding the glories of Jesus Christ and the eternal salvation offered through him that's our DNA pursuing the lost are you dedicated to that are you devoted to that are you like are you like Schuster this is captain of the team who would on his breaks for managing a steakhouse he'd go throw rocks down the ice he said he practiced more than 99 percent of curves in America that's how he got where he is they had to pay their own way to the Olympics. They were dedicated. Westside was born for pursuit. They also, listen to what also they said. When the church was constituted in January 26, 1964, the membership further stands and voted to include in its constitution, in our constitution, no one shall be excluded from worship services or membership in the church on the basis of race. Or national origin 1960 friends in the DNA of our church in arms to all races that probably that was a little more open than the first Baptist Charter and Constitution from our beginning we want to be like Jesus in that verse first verse of Luke 15 all are welcome to meet Jesus amen all are welcome we don't want racial barriers we don't want physical barriers one of the reasons that we've been doing uh, this survey is to make sure to see, do we have some barriers up? We don't want any barriers. We want open arms. We want people to feel so welcome when they come because our job is to bring living stones into the house of God to introduce people to Jesus Christ. It's in our DNA. 26 people were baptized in the first year at Westside Baptist Church. They had an attendance of 161. That's pretty good. That's 16%. If we baptized 16% of our attendance every year, it'd be 200 people. Last year, we baptized 100 people. Folks, we got to start pursuing. 100's great. But we need to have a pursuing heart. How do we develop? Well, someone has to take the initiative. Someone has to take the initiative. Principle number three. Westside has been an initiative-taking church. People are taking the initiative. The shepherd had to own 
that lost sheep. The woman had to own that lost coin and had to take responsibility for it. The, lost, the father had to own and take responsibility for the lost son. The only time that we really, to have a pursuing heart, we've got to own, recognize the need, and just say, okay, I'm responsible. I'm responsible for that. That's some of the reasons what we're doing right now. While we're participating as a church in all the various missions that we're doing. That's why this church developed Upward Recreation Ministries. We decided that families needed this. And now hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids every year through our flag football and, and, and uh, basketball and soccer. Why is it there? Is because we like recreation? No. Is it because we like to play ball? No. It's because we're pursuing those who are far from God. That's why we sent a team last week to Miami to help with planning. It's why we have a team that's going out now. We're going to uh, um, come in the next church that are going back to you. They've seen thousands of people. They, they've owned Steve Gregory and that team. They've just decided these are the groups. These are the unreached people. We're going to reach them. And so we have folks that are going. We have Amazon Vision Ministry since 2002. That vision came out of Pastor Gary and uh, others, some of you sitting right here in 2002. Since then, hundreds of volunteers, including rock doctors, dentists, pastors, people from all walks of life, all ages, they said from 7 to 87, have gone to the Amazon West Basin. The gospel has not really been spread. They've seen 27,000 descendants for Christ in 160 villages. Over 100,000 people on that river have been served medically and dentally in all of those different ways. They've trained leaders. Because Westside decided somebody's got to own that. Somebody's got to do something about it. I want to say all this. We've got to own our influence. We've got to own the lostness of Gainesville. We've got to own the vast lostness of South Florida. We've got to own up to the unreached people groups all around the world. And we need a passion to pursue them. And that passion is going to, it will change us. We lost an incredible missionary couple in the Congo. They were forming such a, this, this past week, you know Jeff and Barbara Singerman. Praise the Lord, they were spared. They have a lot of medical needs now. And, and, uh, but they survived one of the, team, the couples that were on their team. In that. Why are they there? Why have they given most of their lives in this area of Central West Africa? Why have they done that? They, they owned it. They just said, we've got to do it. We've got a team of about four couples, and we've got seven nations. How are they going to do that? Well, they're just going to pursue it with passion. We've got to do that. That's why we're sending teams to London this summer, to Arizona, to work with Indians on a reservation. Our student ministry invests so much time on the campuses. That's why our children's ministries have after-school Bible clubs for children. That's why we have uh, 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 revitalized and, and we're working with South. We took Southwest, and now we have this over in this other area because it's in the other area. It's just growing. It's connecting to people. It's why we have a, a band-led service over here because that helps connect different types of folks. That's why we do things differently. That's why sometimes I move your cheese. Y'all ever read the book, Who Moved My Cheese? We don't like having our cheese moved, but folks, we're pursuing something. We're not just going to church. Amen? We're pursuing something. 
And if we're going to pursue, we've got to have a heart, a heart of pursuit. And finally, let me tell you this, and we see this in the Father. He had a heart for hospitality, a heart. Son comes home, how was he welcomed? I mean, the, the red carpet was rolled out for this person. And, and, and I mentioned a couple of years ago when I first came here that when we look out the windows and we look out in the parking lot and we're thinking about people that are looking at our website, thinking about whether they're going to visit, that is our pursuit. That's who we're thinking about. And when we think about it, that we're, we're putting ourselves in the place of the Father for that moment. And we want to welcome all the way out to the website all the way from the signage on the roads, all the way from our parking lot team and our greeters and our hostesses and our ushers, all the way to when they come and sit by you, we are rolling out the red carpet because we're pursuing those who are far from God. I know I'm a preacher. I know I'm a pastor. And I, gotta, I think about this stuff all week long, except when I'm sleeping. And sometimes I dream about it. So I think about this a lot. But I need you to think with me. I need you to think with me. I need you to join together with one another in your life groups, out in the world, and just develop a heart of hospitality. If I'm going to smile, I'm going to greet, I'm going to love every single person I see as if they're that prodigal son coming back home to the Father. That is, that's how we ought to come to church. That's how we ought to. I know we're coming with needs. I come to church with needs. I want to worship. I got issues, and I want to just pray them out. And I, I want to be ministered to, but I also. One of the great things we can do in ministering to ourselves is have a heart of hospitality for others. The father sold the farm. The father was watching. The father extended a welcome, and he paid the price. And we got to pay the price on the pursuit of those who are far from God. Why do we have to have such a spirit of hospitality as individuals and as a church? Everybody say 11 minutes. 11 minutes is why. They've done a lot of studies, and here's what they determined. That a person... Decide within 11 minutes whether they'll ever come back to a church. Here's what's discouraging about that. For me personally, that 11 minutes is long gone before they hear my message. Or before they even hear the first song. The first 11 minutes starts when they see our sign. On their way, do they, can they find a place to park? How are they received in our parking lot? What does it look like? Does it look like it's shut down? Or does it look like an exciting place to be? How do the people receive them when they walk into the vestibule or walk into the uh, life group? Do the people, what do they, within the first 11 minutes, they decide whether they're ever coming back. That's why we got to have a spirit and a heart of hospitality. That's why I sent my wife and Brenda Kirby, I sent them out a couple of weeks ago and asked them to go and, and take part in a two-day guest experience camp folks we're in trouble now they have come back with some great ideas we have to move our cheese a little bit but it's worth it it's worth it because we want our guest experience to be the best in Gainesville or do y'all want it to be second best
maybe 10th best. No. And we've got an incredible group of volunteers that are serving as, as our hostesses. We've got incredible folks, and they're doing a good job. In fact, we did a, a hospitality audit last week, a secret one. They didn't even know we were watching. And we got good marks. I mean, folks were doing great things. We've got some, some great guys that are working the parking lot, some folks that are working doors and different things, but we've got to extend it. We've got to, we've got to beef that up, and we're going to need more people. And we're going to need to do it in such a way. We need to position our hospitality to reach those who are far from God. Do you all agree with that? Are you all on board with me with that? Why? Because that's the celebration. That's the celebration. That's the joy. Say 11 minutes. We got to remember that. 11 minutes. So we'll be reaching out to some of you to be volunteers. And if you've got it on your heart to be a hospitality person, you see my wife, come see me. And we, we're going to be training and doing some, some uh, preparation on that. We want to uh, do some work to beautify our entryway. And that was part of our initiative. And so we're going to do that. We could entire expansion that we wanted. We're going to start doing some things to really make that an inviting party is but we want to we just want to have the best and most inviting place we can have so that we get people to hear the message of jesus let me give you just a couple applications in your everyday life practice hospitality in the way you look at people the way you engage people have a heart of pursuit have a heart of love seek to encounter and engage the lost We've already got a lot of people excited. Can I just tell you, was it last week that I had the egg video? Last I had my egg video. We put that video out just a few days before last Sunday. Last Sunday alone, we got 6,000 of our 10,000 eggs. Y'all got excited about, excited about bringing in those eggs, and you did. We're up to about 10,000 eggs. We need thousands more. It's fine. Just keep bringing the eggs. The more eggs, the better. It means getting more of them. It would be a great thing. But you know what we need? Not just eggs. We've got, we need at least 10 parking lot attendants to greet our community. So far, we've got two. Maybe some of you have that availability on Saturday and would love to greet people and be part of that first 11 minutes. There are opportunities to be part of pursuing those that are far from God. Every day, engage. When you talk to people, discover their story. People have stories. Sometimes they're lost and they just, they're like the sheep. They don't even realize they're lost. Sometimes you find people that have been hurt, that are far from God, that maybe were raised in a Christian home and had run in rebellion. You'll find, just listen to their story and you'll discover a lot and you can position your approach based on their story. But then you just tell your story. Here's how I was lost. Here's how I was found. Let's go meet Jesus together. Every day, practice pursuing. They pray. And let's make every Sunday. You know what I love to every Sunday? The opening ceremony to the Olympics. Nation gathering for the glory of God. People far from God walking into his presence. Celebrating, celebrating when living stones enter into the household 
of God. Let's pray together. Father, help us have that hard pursuit that you demonstrate so much and so well. May it, that harder pursuit change the, our facial expression. May it change the way we see. May harder pursuit and hospitality make us like that father willing to almost embarrass ourselves. He ran. No Middle Eastern father would run. No Middle Eastern father would go out and meet that rebellious son. Help us overcome our pride, overcome our own comfort to receive, to welcome, and to pursue those who are coming back to God, those who may be far from God and never knew it. Oh, the joy, the joy like those four uh, curlers we saw as they hit that winning shot, as they stood up on the podium with the gold medal. May, they just, may we just experience the joy of seeing people come to know you. We be a discipling church that teaches people and edifies people and loves people. Help us have heart you're bearing. Father, I thank you that even in this service today, maybe there are those who are coming back to you. They've been far from God. Or they've been running from what they knew was right. Father, call them home. Call them to you. We're excited. We're part of a great heritage here. You wired Westside from the beginning to be a pursuing church. Help us continue to do that for your glory. In Christ's name, amen. Can we stand together, church? We're going to have a, a, a song invitation. It's just a chance for us to praise the Lord. But here's what else it is. It's a chance for you. If you are far from God and you want to come home to him today, if you've never trusted him as Lord and Savior, I want you to come right as we begin to sing. We have some volunteers just down one of these aisles on the side or come right here, and I'll just give you to one of our volunteers, and they will, they will help you reconnect. They'll help you trust Christ. They'll help also if you're deciding to become a part of our fellowship. You want to join? You can come, and uh, they will help you do that as well. Let's just respond to however the Father is calling you today to respond. Let's together.